Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today we're discussing the films of Marvel and DC. Uh, these are all the upcoming comic book adaptations that we have on the slate. Recently there was a big press conference from Marvel announcing all of the films they have coming up until 2019, Lloyd. Uh, next one on the cards is Avengers Age of Ultron. And, I mean, as long as these keep making toys, video games, merchandise, tie-ins, superhero movies are very much here to stay, aren't they, Lloyd? Yeah, it's a huge... I've never seen anything like this in cinema where it's just so pre-planned out where they're going to where they show the trajectory of where they plan to be i think it's it's crazy unless this has always gone on and they've never been this transparent you know showing off exactly what's going what what the mindset is but this is crazy this is an interesting time we're living in dave every kid's uh, dream i think it's crazy too because a lot of like the end credits scenes where they would show Tony Stark talking to somebody, um, you know, alluding to other film franchises and other options and things they would do. That was part of the speculation. We didn't ever have it laid in front of us like this, where they said, here's what you're going to see for the next four or five years. Yeah, that's right. Which is like a whole different way to to do it, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, But we always talk about this on our podcast and the difference when we were growing up to now like really we only had on a large scale was batman um i i think like i want to say notable mentions teenage mutant ninja turtles i think one of the best comic book movies of all time the crow batman returns but really like you know we had smaller ones niche sort of ones like blade and and um you know things like that and then daredevil came along and it just you know it wasn't until really brian singer and uh john favreau with uh x-men and of course uh iron man came along and really brought a whole new level to um superhero movies and everything like that i thought they you know really brought a level of authenticity to authenticity and respect uh to those uh characters i mean uh x-men was one of the first ones that sort of tried to make it more mainstream tried to I guess the casting of Patrick Stewart. Among exactly. Others. That that's the big difference. Like, like it was weird for Jack Nicholson to accept such a role in Batman, but it worked out in the end to have such a high level actor play a comic book role. There's a certain authenticity they bring to that that role. And now, like X Men is the best example because it has Shakespearean level actors, elite level filmmakers making comic book movies. It's just unheard of during our time. I think the kids of today are so spoilt you know every weekend they're looking forward to you know they have something great to look forward to whereas us in the 90s we could probably count on our fingers you know how many great sort of kids um action movies we had to look forward to i will actually say as well i mean we don't want to sound like grumpy old men (laughs) x-men is on the list of things we're talking about here today it's not strictly marvel dc x-men does fall under sony or fox We'll, we'll move into it now i reckon Avengers Age of Ultron, we've got it in May 2015. Uh, Lloyd, are you planning on seeing this in 3D? (laughs) 
Absolutely. Uh, by the way, that same week when Ultron comes out is the big epic boxing fight between Manny Pacquiao and uh, Floyd Mayweather. Um, not just boxing fans such as myself are looking forward to the whole world. So I am so spoiled that weekend with both those things happening. I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, the big battle in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron is... The Hulkbuster suit Iron Man versus the Hulk. Yeah, and not to mention Ultron, but yeah, absolutely. You see images of that and you're like, wow, I can't wait for this. I know, right? And what they've done, Marvel have done well here. The first Avengers was Aliens. And that's a common enemy that all of us can unite against, you know? They're not human. And the enemy in Age of Ultron is robots. So like the Terminator or the Sentinels in X-Men, you've got a relatable enemy that, again, is not human that even though the Avengers fight with each other, they can band against this common enemy. You yeah. know? I think that that's going to be a real problem with Justice League when we get to it, but um, who who do they fight, you know? Because Superman is basically invincible. Who do they have as an enemy that Superman can't beat on his own? Yeah, that's right. I'd, uh, I've seen a lot... I've read a lot of uh, Superman comic books when I was um, young, but, yeah, that's always been the biggest issue with um, any... You know, how do you defeat God? You know, that that's the big thing. He's just too overpowered. And so they'll do the classic thing that Avengers has done and created a blueprint for in the first one, and that's have them fight each other. So Superman will fight Batman. Batman will, you know, yep. fight with Great Green Lantern, point. Flash, whomever. They'll, yeah. Uh, July 2015, we've got Ant-Man. Paul Rudd, you are uh, going to check this one I've out? I've seen a brief trailer of it and it didn't give me any information at all, which is a good thing, but at the same time, I don't know anything about Ant-Man. Uh, to me, the name sounds really silly, like Tree Boy and Man Boy. I think that was the comics <laughs> in the background when Bart Simpson and uh, a Simpsons episode when Bart and Milhouse go to the comic book store and they're after Radioactive Man comic books and the you know the geek behind the table uh, behind the counter suggests some comic books and there's like those really weird titles out there that you just you know really stupid titles. That's what Ant Man sounds like to me, but obviously it's got a huge following. I'm sure it's taken from a very very good comic book series if they're putting this level of um, attention to it. Yeah, I mean, the Edgar Wright was attached to direct. He no longer is. I really hope Ant-Man has a sense of fun because it's essentially about a guy who puts on a suit and becomes the size of an ant, but he has increased strength. <laughs> so, I mean, they've got to have comical situations. You don't want to see Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but, <laughs> um, but you can't just sort of have him shrink down and escape from bad guys you know he has to be able <laughs> to do something so i mean you know i'm hoping that it's a nice mix of comedy and action do you and, like and do you mean like mystery men comedic or do you mean just it just has a a sense of humor well paul rudd is so funny naturally he's charismatic and he's a great leading man so i guess i'm just hoping that he's able to I don't know, liven it up, and it's not just a straight drama action kind of, uh, I guess, Daredevil-esque kind of comic. Yeah. You know, maybe not as dark as Daredevil, but if they play it straight, I don't think this is going to be... It has to be tongue-in-cheek, is what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. To work. Well, you saw the trailer? Yeah. Did you get um, more of a serious take from the trailer? I know trailers can be edited to be anything, but what, yeah. what was your impressions from that? Um. Well... He's a bit of a petty thief. Michael Douglas is in it, Evangeline Lilly. I'm I'm quietly optimistic. I feel like I feel like Ant Man is being introduced so he can be a part of future Avengers teams. Yeah. I feel like 
that um, Chris Evans, who plays Captain America, has mentioned he wants to direct, he wants to uh, move away from acting, much like Josh Hartnett, who's sort of like, you know, handsome guy, got to do some films, and then sort of lost the love for it and didn't really get the roles he wanted, whatever. I think Chris Evans has, you know, he's peaked, he's got Captain America, and he's thinking, what next, you know? Mm-hmm. He he uh, wants to go behind the camera, do a bit of a Robert Redford thing, I'm sure, but... Um, He's going to hang up the mantle at some point, and they're going to need to replenish Avengers characters. I mean, forever, Robert Downey Jr. has been saying he doesn't want to do Iron Man, you know? And I think it's a great negotiating tool. Like, they're obviously able to throw more money at him, and he's able to come back, you know, because Iron Man is the spine of the Avengers. But is he going to do it forever? Yeah. You have to have more lovable characters ready to go. And part of Avengers Age of Ultron is they're bringing in Scarlet Witch, they're bringing in Quicksilver... And these are going to be a couple of characters who they could easily include in the Avengers in the future. And as we go through this list of films, there's two more Avengers movies after Age of Ultron that are already slated, but I'm guessing there'll be a little more of a mixed bag. Yeah, look, Fantastic Four is the next one on the list, and you could easily incorporate some Fantastic Four members into the Avengers. That's an interesting thing, Fantastic Four, because we both talked about this before, how bad the originals were. And when I say originals, I don't mean the Roger Corman one. I do mean the one with Jessica Alba um, and stars, of course, the Captain American guy. He was flame on, the flame dude, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the Human Torch. <laughs> the it Human was, Torch. A, how bad were those movies? It was a misfire, wasn't it? Oh, and both of them were as well. And that was a perfect example of how bad these superhero movies could be and could really kill superhero movies in general because like we're the biggest fear people have of superhero movies at the moment is that they could oversaturate the market with, with superhero movies and people will grow tired of it and that's the fear in the next five years trajectory what if the appeal runs away and movies get less of a budget and they just can't attract the talent like they're attracting now to these projects and they're just going to simmer down we never really see as grand a conclusion to the avengers as we'd hope you know um that's everyone's biggest fear i personally think while the appetite is there they should just go for it and we've seen this trend in cinema over and over again disaster movies were really big in the 70s with inferno uh, the towering inferno and and uh, other examples i can't think of <laughs> and then they resurged again in the 90s with twister dante's peak and so forth and then in the 80s um gosh you had uh uh, you know the space operas that star wars created and then you had the barbarian sort of subgenres, and all those franchises died off quickly because very a lot of poor quality movies came out at the same time like for example with uh the the conan movies uh i don't know if you remember the death stalker series there were like really low budget almost erotic um, action movies, or Red Sonja, Conan the Barbarian 2, which actually was pretty decent. I shouldn't put that down. And what killed um, Star Wars and the space science fiction adventure movies were, were really bad movies like Black Hole, um, <coughs> um, you know, examples such as Battle Beyond the Stars, Galaxy of Terror, these really low-budget, inferior sci-fi movies that I think really let the genre down, and I think audiences became confused that once they see a science fiction movie poster, they just think, okay, this is going to be terrible, and movies such as that really killed the genre. Look, I guess you're saying it's like a cycle, but... It is like a cycle, and what brought back, um, you know, movies, that genre of Excalibur, Krull, and Willow was Lord of the Rings. Because of Lord of the Rings, now we have Game of Thrones and Vikings, 
Vikings and things like that because Peter Jackson brought so much um, authority. You know, he wasn't lazy on the production design. All the swords and armor looked fantastic. The battle sequence, the CGI's all looked great. They weren't really cheap, nasty things. He showed if you bring a lot of respect, you bring the right actors, you can make... There's great source material here to draw from. And um, what I'm worried about with the superhero movies that's going to come out, if they're going to make... And I don't think they'll make this mistake, Dave. If they make Fantastic Four, um, like the Jessica Alba ones, again and again, Again, I'm really worried that's you know it's going to cripple something because Jack and the Giant Slayer and Brian Singer, as we know, is a great filmmaker, very talented. But that movie really tanked, and it only takes because there's so much invested in these movies. It only takes two or three in a row to fail for it to really um, for that studio to really crumple and and then go desperate, you know, sort of abandon ship, so to speak. And that's my biggest fear. Well, one of the films on this list, I feel, will tank, and I'm going to get to that one <laughs> uh, soon. Well, are you I've worried that the- Ant-Man will tank, or, or this um, upcoming Fantastic Four? I think Ant-Man Four? will be fine. I think Paul Rudd is a strong enough, likable guy that it'll double its money, and it, it doesn't have to be a huge hit like to be successful enough. And you what know, about Ant-Man Fantastic Four? just has Four? to be established as a character. It seems easy enough to do that. This, yeah. this is just a guy who gets a, a suit that has powers. Yeah. You know, that's a straightforward narrative. Fantastic Four, I've watched the trailer for. It's a bit of a teaser trailer that I've seen, and it looks like it's taking a very serious, darker tone than the kidsy, PG-rated Jessica Alba version, we'll call it. It's very going to be very procedural, though, because they've already told this story. Anyone who has, you know, seen the first Fantastic Four film knows they'll go up to, into space. and that, you know. That's a really good point, because we saw that with the reboot of the Spider-Man franchise yeah. and how we had to go through the motions again, and it was a slightly different take on what... Um, you know what uh, the Tobey Maguire version did with Spider-Man but yet audiences went crazy over it like it made a lot of money I don't think there were good movies but so yeah you're right um, uh, Fantastic Four is going to tread the same waters again give you the same origin story will audiences sit for it or will it tank I don't know I'm assuming they will I don't think this one will will tank Um, the issue I think with it is that uh, Spider-Man is a beloved character that you can reboot and reboot again. And so it has box office Teflon, sort of like Batman. More so, yeah. Um, the yep. Fantastic Four are, are less trialed on screen. Yeah. So I think they need the Fantastic Four. They've already greenlit a second film, for example. So they need them for their plans. I mean, this is the Marvel uh, pattern we're seeing. They, they need these people... For the future, for the future, for Phase 2, for Phase 3, 4, whatever else we're going to see. Has Marvel had, I guess Fantastic Four is that, but I was going to say, you know, Green Lantern, they had that set up for a 2 and a 3. They really wanted a trilogy out of it, and it's one of the most beloved heroes of all time, and it was such a bad movie. They just completely scrapped the second one and third one. I think they did the same thing with Ang Lee's Hulk. I think that was supposed to be two and three. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't think these are good examples to what I'm thinking is going to happen to the superhero movies because, as we know, superhero mo- movies completely survived that. We've had great movies. Um, you know, the X-Men series picked up again, thanks largely to Brian Singer, um, despite the third one being so awful. Uh, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy, which everyone thought was going to be, you know, a complete miss. No one really knew anything about Guardians of the Galaxy. Turned out to be one of the best money makers of last year. You know, so we're in an interesting, 
you know, like uh, maybe there's just such a good variety of movies here that it can't fail. Well, I'm a little bit worried about the further we go into these phases, the um, it becomes the more you've had to have seen everything to keep up. <laughs> They're also heading more into space. The, the Avengers films become about the Affinity Stones, which is like the subject matter in Guardians of the Galaxy. And in so uh, Thor and stuff, yep. Yeah, we're heading more into, um, you know, that mystical kind of magical realms and into deeper space. And, and this is going to propel the heroes that we know in Avengers into other galaxies, into other worlds, into other, like, there's going to be a lot of CGI. We're going to land on alien planets. This is going to become a bit more John Carter-esque, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm worried about that. But I'm thinking maybe by that stage, the Avengers will be a band of uh, mutants and, uh, you know, uh, super-powered heroes that can live in space or, you know, will easily be able to transition onto other worlds, a la Thor. I was pretty worried about the Thor films in general because of the whole magical, you know, <laughs> rainbow bridge element of the whole <laughs> thing and how it didn't really sort of fit with the earthbound kind of heroes of the Avengers. You know, making one of them a god, it's it's done in the comic books, obviously, but it, in film I didn't know if it would translate. So I'm a little bit sceptical that the whole team of Avengers in a couple of phases' time will be unrecognisable and... Uh, <laughs> And then they'll have to throw more money at Iron Man to bring him back. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Just, and that's going to be a big deal when somebody leaves and then comes back. That's going to be hyped to no end. This yeah. is going to be just like professional wrestling. You get people to their peak, you take people out, and then when you bring them back in, it's a huge deal. You hype a returning player, you know? Hmm. Also, the writers have a big say in it as well. Like, the reason why The Dark Knight had such a and that's just one franchise by the way batman you know and and it's it's probably greater and bigger than all of the superhero movies put together really in a sense but you had one guy helming it the whole time uh with avengers you got joss whedon helming the avengers one and then avengers two and they're very different movies avengers to the um uh, not really so much actually they're very similar <laughs> the thor movies and iron man but some of those are hit and misses you know like yeah, but um, it it a lot depends on the writer either leaving or helming it, or and the director as well. Well, um, speaking of directors, the director of Deadpool, which is slated for February twenty sixteen, is Tim Miller. Now, this is a director with no feature film credits. He has been the second assistant director on Thor two, and he's largely a visual effects guy. So. Uh, Deadpool already has a problem in that <laughs> untested director. Yeah. Uh, secondly, Ryan Reynolds will be playing Deadpool, and I don't know whether or not this is to move him away from the whole Green Lantern debacle. It's going to probably have to be some kind of prequel to Wolverine. Yeah, can they leave that, that storyline, or do they have to stay on line with it? I think they'll probably leave it. Yeah. They'll just say, ignore that, or they won't even mention it. But... Um, does he need... I don't know spoilers here for Wolverine, but I don't even remember if he dies at the end of that. I can't... I, I saw Wolverine. I It was such a bad interpretation of Deadpool. I actually don't know much about De Deadpool, but I know he's fervishly loved by a lot of comic book fans. And the Deadpool that I saw in Wolverine is definitely not the Deadpool that's um, depicted in comic books. And the first, like, five minutes you see Ryan Reynolds and then you don't see him <laughs> without the mask on. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's a terrible example of the character. People want it to be R-rated. They want it to be super violent. They want it to be yeah, a lot I'm, of Yeah, I'm really worried about that because if you go too dark and too extreme, you're going to get into the Punisher territory. And there has never, ever been a, a successful adaptation of the Punisher. Um, they've all failed. And I, I think the reason why is it's just too dark and grimy. No one really wants to see that superhero movie. They want to see Guardians of the Galaxy, which just has a huge, a much bigger range to appeal to a lot of people and fant- and Avengers as well. I'll tell you what, people want to see Punisher as the villain. Oh. They just don't realise it. <laughs> he's um, a misunderstood villain because he becomes the Punisher through the loss of his wife and stuff. It's just... He, um, you could easily do like a Wolverine versus Punisher type storyline where you've got a loved hero and you introduce Punisher as a villain. I don't think he works as the title of the movie. Yeah, sure. He should be as a, another character rather than the, the main driven character. Yeah. Correct. I mean, you could even have Nick Fury, Samuel Jackson approach somebody at the beginning of a film and say, the Punisher's doing this. Then you just lead into the storyline. Yeah. You know, you've got an Avengers kind of feel to it, but... It's smaller, you know. The Punisher's like a renegade, so... Uh, I don't know about Deadpool. Um, it's opening opposite Zoolander 2 in February 2016. So, I mean, I feel like Zoolander 2 is going to get a big chunk of the box office there. Absolutely. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, fans of Deadpool are definitely going to come out and check it out. It's just one of those things where early buzz could just bury that movie, yeah. you know? And as well, people will be like, no, well, he messed up Green Lantern. But then again, I mean, we've got the Affleck was Daredevil and now he's Batman. We've got um, the Chris Evans was Human Torch and now he's Captain America. Great point. I mean, you know, we don't know. We don't know, obviously. But I think Deadpool will probably make enough money that they can continue the character. I don't see sequels. I see him, you know, joining up with franchises being a villain He's just establishing himself in this solo film. Yeah. Uh, March 2016 brings us a big one. Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. And this is taken in the same universe as Man of Steel, is that right? Yes. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Henry Cavill is still playing Superman. Yeah, and uh, Jack Snyder is still um, at the helm. But is Christopher Nolan still on board or has he left? I mean, I think there's probably an advisory kind of role. <laughs> they want to attach his name to it i think jonathan nolan as well you know they want to attach this kind of brand to it it's hard to reboot batman and not not at the one everybody loved yeah but this is a very busy movie and that's my worry that we're going to get like a two hour 40 minute movie and you're going to have ben affleck as batman henry cavill as superman jason momoa is playing aquaman gal gadot as wonder woman ezra miller as the flash and ray fisher as cyborg this is a busy movie. You've also got to establish Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor and have them all intertwine. And as I mentioned, we're going to see them all fight each other in this same way Justice League. There's going to have to be tension between them because it's impossible to just have everybody join up and kind of become a team. Dawn of Justice, of course, in the title refers to the Justice League. So this is just set up. Superman's going to be dealing with Batman, Batman with Superman, and everyone else is going to be brought in towards the end of that. Now, the danger of doing this is we haven't seen any of these characters in single movies. We haven't watched Aquaman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, or Cyborg at this point. But we're introducing all those characters at once. I, I, yeah, 
I'm I'm very worried about this movie as well. But Zack Snyder's actually directed one of my favorite comic book movies of all time, which is The Watchmen, uh, which is an epic, epic tale, one of the greatest comic books of all time. And I think he did an incredible job. My only criticism with The Watchmen is it's too gory. Um, and the comic books didn't show really any gore where Zack Snyder decided to go all out with it um, in certain scenes. But it, it, it was a very well done movie. I personally don't like Zack Snyder. I don't think he's that good of a director. But if he has the right screenplay, his strong visual sense is incredible like a sucker punch is one of the worst movies i've ever seen yet i can't fault it it's one of the best looking movies i have ever seen visually of course visually of course yeah (laughs) but the scope god what what a horrible movie um but yeah that's my biggest worry with batman vs superman is um if he doesn't have a good script writer at the helm like Zack snyder i think he really respected the original material of the watchman and with all his heart and passion stuck to the what was on the comic book and uh so for batman and superman if the screenplay is really good and if he sticks to his guns he could pull it off but my bets are i don't think it's going to work out <laughs> although I, I can't wait to watch it that's it that's exactly it it's going to make a ton of money because people want to see ben affleck as batman is that this year, Batman vs Superman? Twenty sixteen, March. Wow. Yeah, it's still ages away. Um, we're going to see some more teaser stuff of of Ben Affleck as Batman, but they're not going to reveal much because they want you to go watch yeah. it. And this originally was like Superman two, like Henry Cavill's next movie. But then obviously you bring in Batman, suddenly his name's first. Mm. You know, now Man of Steel we've talked a bit about on the podcast too and that didn't quite work out as well as it could have yeah and your biggest criticism which is what I really liked is it just didn't have a sense of humour well it was too moody like uh, you know like he was emo Superman (laughs) or something but um, I'm also worried about Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor like Superman's not going to be able to compete with Lex Luthor you know in terms of like Lex Luthor's going to own everything and you know be a big mogul in the film but there is that kind of if Batman's also in the movie Batman could deal with him yep you know uh if he's truly evil and stuff also Jesse Eisenberg I mean I liked in the Facebook movie the social network it's just that he seems to play some shade of that character and himself in everything Mm. so I'm not sure like, I think this will be a huge test for him. I'm hoping he kicks a goal, absolutely. I'm just very worried about his performance in this film. Um, I think it's probably like his management, his agent, you know, he's like an Oscar nominee. You quickly plug him into a franchise where he's playing a recurring character and that's generating income, Yeah. you know. Uh, I don't know that he's right for it, but then, you know, it's just because I imagine Superman and Lex Luthor as similarly aged, you know, well-matched vil- uh, villain and hero yeah and i think of that you know christopher reeve and it was gene hackman you know and that was sort of more well-matched i suppose yeah visually on screen i mean this is like jesse eisenberg is a small guy versus henry cavill's huge muscular you know i i don't see it yet mm. so and it looks like they're going the same route with batman just from the brief images we've seen of ben affleck they're going that very macho, sort of aggressively strong sort of Batman. Yeah, and calling it Batman versus Superman, of course, they're going to be the biggest clash of the film. Batman can't kill anyone. Superman doesn't want to kill Batman. You know, he's had that experience of having to kill Zod in Man of Steel. 
you know, they're going to both not want anyone to come to harm but not be able to live with each other. Yeah. It's going to be like an odd couple kind of thing. But again, um, they're both going to want to be doing good. It, the difference here is as well, is this set in Metropolis? Is it set in Gotham? I don't know. And we've got this uh, a bit of a saturation here, like that's spilling over into television we've already seen uh agents of shield uh which is taken directly from the avengers uh world and we're also getting gotham which is this another show i don't know how much gotham's going to interplay with the batman versus superman world but it's a really interesting like you're giving the audience so much and a different taste and a different feel by the time batman versus superman comes out a lot of people might not like the take um zack snyder's going with it sort of thing you know so it's a bit of a worry you know there's a lot of uh, filters and blockades coming in but i do think batman versus superman is box office teflon because of the two names um coming together and you got a very very good cast attached and a pretty decent you know epic sort of director i don't think this movie's going to fail per se is it going to be good uh, i don't know because i you know generally speaking man of steel isn't regarded to be as good as avengers or the batman um trilogy yeah. yeah there's a huge cast i i just feel like i can see the memes already where they're <laughs> like you know in this scene why didn't superman just do this you know i feel like i can I can see the criticism already, like uh, the fanboy criticism, the ripping into the movie. I still think heaps of people watch it. Heaps of people watch Fifty Shades of Grey. It's the curiosity. Yeah. It's um, you want to see Ben Affleck as Batman, really. And uh, you mentioned the whole TV thing with Gotham and the Flash and Arrow and so forth. Yeah. E- Ezra Miller is the kid we saw in We Need to Talk About Kevin. He's playing the Flash in this movie. Mm-hmm. Now it's somebody else playing the Flash in the TV show, as this dilutes things for the audience. Yeah, that that's perfect way to say it, diluting it. Yeah. Look, I mean, if you're watching Gotham, Bruce Wayne's a child. You can imagine that he grows up to become uh, Ben Affleck, if you will. If you're watching the Flash, he's the Flash at the same age. I mean, you just you pick which one you like better. But it would help if, like Agents of Shield, everything worked together. Yeah, this this could be a dangerous thing as well. Yeah, for DC as well. I mean, I, I just as I said, you're introducing so many characters in this movie that haven't had solo outings that you haven't seen before that you haven't really enjoyed. And so this moving towards Justice League, I don't know if we're just going to see a flash of some of these people, pardon the pun, and barely any scenes of them. Otherwise, we're going to have a two-hour, forty-minute movie, and we're going to be wondering what the hell. May brings us uh, Captain America Civil War, which is, I think, big dollars here, Lloyd. Um, (laughs) Well, I didn't like the first Captain America, uh, and that was done by a very good director, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the Rocketeer, and then I just thought it was charming how they just brought him in because they wanted the Rocketeer flavor. I thought he was a great choice, and the film looked good, but it was a very, very flawed movie, in my opinion. And But what shocked me so much was how good 
Captain America the Winter Soldier was. Like, I've seen it three or four times now. I just love it. I, I love those movies where the guy's on the run, you know, like uh, the Bourne Identity uh, movies, uh, the Sentinel, you know, where guy's on the run from the government. And it's just so great to see Scarlett Johansson and Captain America on the run. There's a big plot hole in it because you're just like, well, I- I've just seen the Avengers and this is the same world as Avengers. Why, why doesn't he just call the Hulk and the whole thing yeah. will be over? You know, that's like the biggest plot all of these um, side movies are these single movies but it's so well done I loved um, uh, Winter Soldier if they keep that same look and strategy to Civil War yeah absolutely Dave money 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 you got Chris Evans versus Robert Downey Jr. here basically Captain America versus Iron Man in uh, Civil War and Scarlett Johansson's in there Jeremy Renner's in there this is a great movie to cameo people in there's um, rumours Spider-Man will make a cameo. There's also talk of the Black Panther cameo. Uh, Are you worried of the people, over, they're going to overcrowd it? Well, because you're making people choose sides, you can kind of bring people in and out. The ultimate fight here is um, Captain America and Iron Man. And uh, I'm, I'm liking the fact that they've made the Avengers fight in another film, but as well, they're making basically iron man the villain which um iron man is is tested box office gold isn't it yeah. so unlike the batman superman scenario uh these more these are more evenly matched that's a great you know? point yeah they're both box office um tested you're absolutely right and this is just increasing on what marvel are doing very well um I feel like, you know, if we see spider-man in that film too that's going to be great like even if people are just saying spider-man's going to be in that film you know that's drawing people in and look both going to make a ton of money but they're coming out very close together may and march who knows maybe people will hate batman and then not give captain america a chance (laughs) i hope they both do really well not to be that guy (laughs) well i mean the danger as well is that right after captain america in may we've got x-men apocalypse yeah it's doing the same sort of thing are we going to see the same sort of thing again which is they're introducing a ton of new people in X-Men Apocalypse. Channing Tatum is playing Gambit. There'll be a new young Jean Grey, played by Sophie Turner, new Cyclops, Ty Sheridan, new Nightcrawler, Cody Smith-McPhee, who's an Aussie, new Storm, played by Alexandra Ship, Rose Burns in the film, Oscar Isaac will play Apocalypse. And so all these new things to introduce, you know, I feel like all three of these films won't be hits. How can like you watch the same three movies that's Um, a great uh point you're making dave um the town isn't big enough for all three of them but as well they're all like major ensemble pieces um batman superman's gonna have a ton of people in it captain america civil war is gonna have a bunch of cameos and therefore like a bigger cast as well the next man apocalypse is going to be pretty epic if uh you know stories that be believed i don't know they're coming out in march may may so something's got to give I can't wait, personally, because the last X-Men movie, Days of Future Past, is so good. So I just really can't wait. Uh, Winter Soldier was so good, and I'm sure um, Avengers um, Age of Ultron is going to be fantastic with Joss Whedon. Um, Maybe it's going to be Batman vs. Superman. That stumbles you Yeah. Well, people could still hate it. Like I said, people might hate it and still watch it, and then that's enough that they keep going, but... DC, I feel like, is in some danger. Just the way they're introducing all these characters at once. 
it's been a slow burn for Marvel and Marvel then says, check out all these movies I'm doing. It's almost like DC's got to go, well, we're doing this too. Oh, that's, that, yep. No, that's a great point. The other thing is, I mean, I loved the last X-Men movie, Days of Future Past, and I mean, First Class was a great way to sort of reboot it. And then for the last film, Days of Future Past, to then bring back the core characters that everyone knows and loves and make it all about time travel is all ticking a lot of boxes for me. People are saying because of the events of Days of Future Past that X-Men Apocalypse is now happening and that because they've changed things in the past, they've now, you know, course-corrected the future or, you know, changed to an alternate timeline, whatever you want to say. Things are different and therefore Apocalypse exists or whatever. And Oscar Isaac, just quietly, is doing great from uh, Star Wars and a couple other things lately so he's becoming a bigger name as well and i think a good good casting is apocalypse let's hope uh he resembles the monster my he's my favorite villain well this is it i mean he's a great villain for x-men and like a villain we never thought we'd see you know we're just watching juggernauts and saber all the time <laughs> yeah. and it gets kind of old and magneto <laughs> well magneto is destined to be a good guy one day yeah. we'll see how it goes i don't want to get too much into it <laughs> Uh, you're looking forward to Suicide Squad. I don't know much about Suicide Squad. I watched a whole vlog on it. Uh, it's got the Joker. It sounds, again, really crowded. Um, I'm very worried about it. I, I'm actually thinking it might be one of their better um, possible hits. From Marvel. Oh, su- uh, DC, sorry. DC, yeah. because it's got the Joker. Jared Leto is the Joker. Margot Robbie, Ozzy, as um, Harley Quinn. Will Smith is box office gold usually <laughs> as Deadshot and uh, Jai Courtney, an Aussie guy who's going to be good in Terminator, he's, he's Boomerang and this is where they get a bunch of uh, like Arkham type villains and they put them together in the Suicide Squad which then they send them off to do suicide missions basically yeah. and in return they get years off their sentences so they're forced to kind of do good you know work for the government even so i mean that's the kind of thing you could get behind because they're a misfit bunch very much like guardians of the galaxy yeah thrown together i I actually think this will probably do much better than we think and it's not just because of will smith uh i think jared leto as the joker is going to be what seals the deal yeah they reckon uh, there's a curse on jai courtney just every movie he's in he's got so much hate and it's hard to for me to say this because he's australian and everything i think people just haven't forgiven him for the last diehard movie apparently he was just really awful in that and uh yeah like just his name attached to sonic people just don't want to see it so i'm really worried that just because he's attached to sonic it's gonna fail well, he's a supporting character in yeah, this. Yeah, so he's not the main... Boomerang yeah. is a big name. <laughs> you know, he's he's going to be in Terminator. That'll be a good chance to prove himself. I saw something uh, on news.com or something which was like, uh, you know, Jai Courtney nude in the latest Terminator movie and not shy about it or something. So uh, it seems like he's going to time travel, you know, if he's Kyle Reese or whoever he is and be one of those bubbles of electricity that appear in the Terminator <laughs> movies. Maybe that'll win back some fans. Yeah. I don't know. October brings us, in 2016, brings us the first solo uh, film of the year, which is Gambit. Uh, that's a, He's actually one of my favourite characters of all time um, from the X-Men cartoon series and, of course, the X-Men comic books. So Taylor Kitsch was not your uh, favourite <laughs> Gambit? <laughs> no, he was not. <laughs> 
Poor Taylor Kitsch. So do you know who's playing Gambit? No, no idea. Like, I, I do know who's playing Gambit from the, what was it, the X-Men Apocalypse? Yep. Yeah. Same guy. Same guy? Okay. Channing yeah, Tatum. Yeah, Channing Tatum. Um, Ma- Magic Mike? Magic Mike pulling on the Gambit attire. Look, I'm I'm thinking Channing Tatum is box office gold. That's fine. Like, uh, But I think there will need to be an emotional story at the heart of this and whether that means they introduce a new rogue character, you know, to be the love interest or somebody new to be a love interest for him. We have to get behind him. We have to, um, you know, make Gambit a character who we're rooting for, don't we? Yeah. So you can't just have him be sort of a petty thief and a card player and you know you need to have an emotional story attached to this so for me gambit might work he has to really steal the show in apocalypse though doesn't he because um on the strength of that only a few months later you want to be watching him again in a solo (laughs) movie so i don't know you don't want to say this is a gambit (laughs) but uh who knows this look channing tatum is as i said he's going to draw people in and this could easily be uh, as forgettable as Thomas Jane's The Punisher. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he, after everyone watched Avengers, everybody said, how much does Hulk steal the show? You know, the very first Avengers. He had all these awesome scenes and humorous moments. And if they've built a film where Gambit stands out in Apocalypse, uh, we will want to see the Gambit solo movie, and it'll be good timing to have it a few months later. But if he's forgettable... And if we go, eh, who cares? We've seen enough. No one will come to see Gambit. Are you uh, familiar with Doctor Strange? I think I am familiar with Doctor Strange. Uh, I read comics when I was very young, and the name rings a bell. I don't know, he's got strange powers or something? <laughs> and he's a yeah, doctor? Ben- <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. Wow. Academy Award nominee. Everybody in these films seems to be getting Academy Award <laughs> nominations, but none of them getting the nominations for these movies, are they? No, yeah. Well, it's like a side project. Yeah, well, it's like science fiction has never been respected by the Academy Award, and arguably, um, the Sigourney Weaver should have been should have won the Academy Award for Aliens, or at least been nominated and just completely snubbed. And that's why it's such a shock to see big epic movies nominated and even winning, like uh, sorry, um, fantasy movies like Lord of the Rings, because usually those things just don't stand a chance in um, Hollywood. It took three Lord of the Rings movies for it to get there, yeah. though, didn't it? I well, mean, speaking of which, do, do you remember Jack Black, um, uh, his appearance in this year's Academy Award where he sings a bit about superhero movies and how everything is a sequel or remake? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, the only movie of last year's highest grossing list that was original was Interstellar. <laughs> mm. That's pretty interesting. Uh, but this year's Academy Awards w- went to the incredible Birdman, so I guess to Jack Black there is still hope. But I sympathise with that argument, and it is true, everything is a franchise now. But, um, you know, I have to confess, I'm really loving this age of comic book movies. I'm, I, I love... I've, I've seen a few of them several times, like uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Winter Soldier, and things like that. I'm very spoiled at this time, but I do sympathise with the argument, like, everything's a franchise now. And I mean, when they tell us everything like this, everything is released all at once, 
there is the danger of us going, oh, well, I will watch this, I won't watch that, I won't watch that. Well, yeah, my biggest worry is, uh, you know, cinemas just aren't going to show movies like Maps to the Stars, like a a Cronenberg movie. Like, we're just not going to see that anymore. And, like, uh, a big example early this year, and we're eventually going to do a podcast on this, but um, was Black Hat just um, didn't get released here. And that's a big, epic Michael Mann movie with Chris Hemsworth, who's Australian. If you think anywhere in the world that movie's going to make money, it's in Australia, yet they withheld the release because... Um, well, well, they're not going to release it, rather, because the movie did so poorly in America. And I'm worried now, like, movies like that just aren't... And that's just a basic thriller, you know. Um, they're just not going to be seen anymore because cinema is only for these big fantasy epic movies now so i do sympathize with what jack black was trying to get out whether it was just a joke or any or, or whatever the meaning of that joke i think had a lot of um a lot of layers to it and a lot of truth to it as well yeah i um i start to think that people obviously downloading is an issue but look at movies they want to see at the movies because it's on a big screen because it's on a big scale People will go watch Star Wars because seeing it on a huge screen with a huge crowd is going to be a different experience than watching an independent film at the movies. You sit in silence, there's six people around you, whatever. You know, you can watch that kind of film through iTunes or like uh, direct kind of whatever they're called, uh, downloads later as well. I mean, there's a lot of films you say, oh, we'll wait for DVD, we'll wait for Blu-ray, we'll wait, you know, because seeing it on the big screen won't be so different an experience and screens are getting bigger in people's homes so you've really got to almost cater to say if you want to see this movie in the best possible way like the new avengers movie that comes out next month will be in imax as well as 3d and you've got to say you can only see that at the movie yeah it's becoming like a theme park ride like if you come here to watch this movie watch it with the best sound possible the best you know um like my, uh, the best seating the best the biggest screen it's almost like that you know you're going into a theme park ride to get all that um to attract people as much as possible to the cinema and arguably that battle has been going on ever since the invention of television but definitely more so now because the internet is such a huge factor we've seen what it's done with music virtually eradicated like musicians now pretty much only make money through the tours they make on live shows like they don't make that much money anymore through just their sales because everything is bought through itunes sorry through their record sales so they got to do live events just to you know make that large amount of money and yeah that that's the big fear with movies like will movies like michael mann's black hat or oliver stone's um snowden uh, movie that's up and coming um, will those movies still be made? And that's that's a very scary thing. But in saying that, Birdman won Best Academy Award. But is that an indication? Or and Boyhood, sorry, got nominated. Very two independent movies, completely different of these epic action movies. Um, is that an indication of the audience? I don't think it is. I think audiences' appetite for these big epic hero movies is huge and fervish. But once that runs out, what are what are audiences after next? What are they hungry for? <laughs> That's this is the question, isn't it? I mean, we're not Hollywood producers. <laughs> That's why we're so, doing podcasts. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to have seen just on a quick off topic. Uh, I would have loved to have seen Boyhood win Best Picture at the Oscars. I was content with Birdman winning but um I felt more emotionally invested in Boyhood so yeah I thought it was uh was not robbed but 
Michael Keaton was maybe robbed. I don't know. I, you've seen Theory of Everything and I haven't, so um, <laughs> hard to say. Yeah, Theory of Everything, the movie itself was nothing compared to uh, Birdman, but the performance by, by the main character who played, um, uh, what's his name? Oh my, Eddie Redmayne played Stephen Hawkins, Hawkins uh, is amazing, is absolutely fantastic. But I was rooting for Michael Keaton because I'm such a huge Michael Keaton fan, but I didn't feel that bad that he didn't win the awards. Did you see those pictures, those images where Michael Keaton was putting his speech back into his jacket pocket? Yeah. Wasn't that sad? I'm like, oh, because his speech for the uh, award ceremony that he won beforehand, Golden the Globes. Golden Globes, was so beautiful and touching. I've seen it like four or five times. Uh, and I was saying, oh, he's given his best speech. And you were saying, oh, he'll have another one just as good, if not better, for the Academy Awards. <laughs> and I really, really wanted to hear it, you know? <laughs> you never will. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, honestly, the, that role was catered to him. You haven't seen Mickey Rourke being renominated since The Wrestler, have you? Nope. Yeah. People want fresh. People want the new story. You can't have a comeback twice. Absolutely. Although John Travolta's due for another comeback. I hope so. He still looks good, <laughs> although he's a weird touchy thing in the Academy Awards. Oh, he's got weird hair now. <laughs> I think I think he needs to give up on that. All right, 2017, March... Wolverine sequel directed by James Mangold again which everyone speculates every time Hugh Jackman appears that it'll be the last Wolverine movie what do you think Lloyd do you like Wolverine I love Wolverine in Brian Singer's hands I I don't think his Wolverine movies outside of um, the X-Men films have been very good at all I think the first one was awful very forgettable and then the second one where he's in japan was okay you spun me around when we did that podcast because i came in ready to destroy the movie because i came out of that movie going, gosh that was terrible <laughs> and then you said you know what i liked about this movie this movie had a sense of humor it really showed that uh, the comedic elements and i remember laughing a lot of times in wolverine you know in, in that um in, in that wolverine movie and it got me excited for um the x men days of future past so i came out of that podcast you know the end of, yeah it actually wasn't too bad but i don't think the wolverine um single movies i have been as strong as say avengers or sorry captain america winter soldier or anything like that so i'm really worried of the next wolverine sequel and i'm very biased i love um uh hugh jackman i think he's fantastic well the character of wolverine ages and gets more damaged and you know has a long lifespan as Hugh Jackman grows older they can do these future storylines that the Wolverine character has in all the comic books uh, so I think as long as he's willing to keep doing them you know uh, he can keep being Wolverine till he's quite old as long as he stays in physical shape because the Wolverine you know character has to be able to regenerate and is quite muscular so if he can stay in physical shape even if he starts to gray and things like that you can do more futuristic wolverine storylines i think you need to attach someone else in a wolverine movie to make it work so uh wolverine and Sabretooth, for example were in uh one movie but in the last one i mean that was like a a nothing villain <laughs> yeah. really i mean that was so dumb the whole ninja robot suit or something i was like yeah. oh my god which is you know forgettable like but ultimately but um if you had a storyline where 
somebody injects the Hulk with something, Mark Ruffalo, and he hulks out and he's berserk and he can't transform back and he's not no longer in control of himself in any way. Oh, and we have Wolverine versus the Hulk. And then Wolverine versus the Hulk. That's a great point. Exactly. But, I mean, you can also have, like, Spider-Man versus the Hulk. You can have a couple other Avengers trying to stop the Hulk. Having the Hulkbuster suit now introduced kind of kills this a little bit. But in a world where Tony Stark's a bad guy or doesn't want to contribute or if he shuts down all his technology after Ultron ultimately becomes evil um, and he decides to stop all that, then maybe you don't have a Hulkbuster suit. Maybe the Hulk being berserk works as a as a villain yeah. in a piece. But it's the same as, like, if you had Juggernaut brought back or, like, you know, some kind of big unstoppable thing and you introduce Wolverine as a good guy in this situation. I mean, I'd like to see some original villains, really. Well, I'd just um, like to see one of these superhero movies end without the world at stake. You know, like that that's one of the good things about the last... Although it was really stupid, the last Wolverine movie was really... It was just, he's got to save the girl. Or this crazy guy in a suit is going to kill a lot of people. You know, and that's all... That's that's a fundamental aspect of superhero movies where you got to save the damsel in distress. And I'd, I'd like to see a smaller Wolverine sort of movie like that. I just don't want it to end with the world's at stake and only Wolverine <laughs> could save it. Just something refreshing, you know? Yeah. Well, as I said, if there was an original villain and the villain was, like, isolated to Chicago or something and for some reason Wolverine's in Chicago or whatever, then it's set in that city, you know, just to have Wolverine's the only hero there, therefore he will try and stop this, you know, villain. Mm. You can isolate a movie like that. Probably be uh, one of Hugh Jackman's final appearances. I feel like he'll be uh, reining it in a little bit more, just... um, Maybe being more of a bit player. Well, they, they can do those tricks, what they did with um, uh, Xavier, um, with Patrick Stewart, just, you know, you sort of put youth on him with the CGI, and they, they're going to get better and better, I feel. Like, um, I think it was Marlon Brando played uh, played a role in the in the Brian Singer Superman, is that right? And, the, and they got... Um, I don't know, a character to play in Sky, Captain World of Tomorrow that was already dead. I think that's kind of wrong. If a person's dead and then they use, like, uh, Avatar or Gollum effects to make them alive again, uh, I would like to see Clint Eastwood play Clint Eastwood, and if they have to, you know, make him younger like a Dirty Harry, I'd like to see them do that through CGI, but it's still Clint Eastwood doing the voice and the facial expressions, and I'd like to do the see the same thing with Wolverine. If Hugh Jackman is too old for it, I still would like to see him play it and use the CGI to make him younger, because, to be honest, I didn't even notice too much in with patrick stewart I, I think he did a fine job um despite cgi you know making him look younger than he actually was yeah look um if you look at photos of the year 2000 x-men uh hugh jackman as wolverine <laughs> he's versus, so buff yeah versus like 2014 2015 whenever wolverine and you can see in his face i mean he's 14 15 years older yeah. you know this is just going to keep happening i feel like at some point he will say, I'm done, but Hugh Jackman will stand to the side applauding the new Wolverine yep. and kind of giving his blessing about it, and then we'll all accept whoever the new Wolverine is. You know, I think at some point it would, the smart move would be to recast and him to retire the mantle, and it will be very much like a Bond thing to do. You yeah. know, you kind of go, well, I've had my time, I've done a great job, this guy's Wolverine now. May brings us Guardians of the Galaxy 2 now... 
I'm on board with it. I've seen the first one. What should over? Did you like slide. the first one? It's the kind of thing where everybody builds something up. <laughs> oh, and tells no. You it's amazing. oh no! Oh no! That was but my fault. Everyone, <laughs> I still enjoyed it. I mean, Chris Pratt was fun, and Groot's great, great character, and everybody saying, "I am Groot. We are Groot." I get it. Don't, all don't now. you find it's annoying? The only thing I had issue with that Marvel's too afraid to kill someone, anyone. The, the, every, every character now is a possible franchise and they're worth so much money so I can picture the producers just sweating just going oh please don't kill this character that character Groot was so lovable but he's got a you know he's got a um, a spiritual successor now that's going to be the new Groot you know and they've sold so many toys of that toy plant Groot it's insane every office now has it it's it's it's, it's crazy um, that if you don't have the threat of death in a movie it takes away all the tension you know and i'm worried that everyone's like i'm sort of catching on to that now i'm pretty dumb when it comes to plot but i'm like like when it got to the end of um uh civil not civil war the winter soldier my friend was like wow what a great movie but nothing happens there is nothing in this movie that has even made a ripple in the whole avengers timeline i'm like yeah yeah, no one died. What's going on here? <laughs> and, uh, well, this is it. Yeah. When you have a five-year plan, uh, you know Thor's going to be fine in the <laughs> yeah. Avengers movie because he's coming up with his own another solo movie. That's a good point. You know, everyone's going to be fine in Fantastic Four, otherwise you can't call it Fantastic Four. Yeah. Did, did you happen to catch the story that... Uh, big spoilers here for the comic books of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> did you uh, happen to see what they did in the Ninja Turtle comics? Uh, in regards to what? They've killed one of the turtles. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Now, speculation is that they might be brought back as a robot or some kind of, you know, something new. Like, they'll find a way for them not to be dead, like so many comic books do. But um, guess which one they killed? I'm going to guess Donatello. Nailed it. Really? Wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Leonardo leads Donatello does machines. You, out of all of them, Michelangelo is definitely the most um, eco- economical. You know, like he's got he he sell sold a lot of pizza because of his party attitude. Raphael's too cool to kill. Leonardo's the leader. Donatello is my personal one of my personal favorites when I was young because I love purple. Um, but he was definitely <laughs> the most expendable. <laughs> Expendable. Who loves purple? I loved uh, like Raphael. Purple. So, <laughs> uh, so look, Guardians of the Galaxy two. I mean, it's the continuing adventures. Now that we're back on topic, <laughs> big question is who plays Chris Pratt, Star Lord's father? Oh, yep, that was a big thing they kept pushing. I actually listened to the whole audio commentary by uh, James Gunn and it is a fantastic commentary I highly recommend anyone to um, if you get Guardians of the Galaxy get the special edition check out the the audio commentary because it's full of um, easter eggs um, in that and I forgot where I was going with that sorry Dave <laughs> that's alright so there's the casting of the father yeah I read a great thread that suggested Brian Cranston would be a great oh, father that's for great him. <laughs> Obviously, he's got a lot of credibility. Obviously, he's going to be breaking. an alien as well, like some maybe some different species, or maybe he's related to Thanos. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, there has to be something. But um, I tell you who I'd like it to be, and this is just fantasy casting. I know that age is a problem here, but I'd like it to be Harrison Ford. Oh, cool! That's a great yeah. 
because I mean, Star Lord is very Han Solo esque. Well, he's very Indiana nod. Jones um, esque, and like as some, as some critic uh, wrote, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is that love child of Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And there's a lot of talk that Chris Pratt should play um, the next Indiana Jones if they were going to reboot the reboot the franchise. Um, He'll be too busy with Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing he's going to survive Jurassic World and be one of the you know regulars and be a th- uh, get a trilogy of that going. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know Harrison Ford looks old and you know might not immediately come to mind, but just uh, I think it's great casting in terms of like that Absolutely. fanboy kind of yeah. you know nod. Otherwise, Brian Cranston's fine. I mean, let's see what they get. It's a huge successful franchise now guardians of the galaxy so they could get someone they could get yeah i, I think know. they got a great thing going there on almost on par with joss whedon and um i won't ever say that they're like christopher nolan territory but i think uh gun there who who did uh, we also reviewed one of his early movies i think it was super um, you guys mm-hmm. should definitely check a podcast out on that. But he's got his own team there. He's got his own sense of humor. And I was really impressed with, like, coming from that sort of background, these low-budget uh, sort of background, he was able to get... Um, he was able to, you know, control such a huge scale, a big cast, lots of sets, this big space grand opera, and he was able to control it and do a really great job of making Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's a fantastic, really enjoyable movie. Um, and I, I think I, I hope he gets a good trilogy out of it. But from the audio commentary, he sounds like he's a very big uh, comic book fan and has huge respect um, for the source material. He changes things um, accordingly. You know, he doesn't exaggerate things or anything like that. Um, you know, he makes it workable and he has a great sense of humor, which is a thing which is a thing that's very hard to do. What I really like about it uh, was the writing of Thanos, who Josh Brolin played. Like, we only see a fragment of him and in the comic book universe, he's treated as like this godlike supervillain and it, it's all being built up to see the Infinity um the infinity stone the infinity gauntlet which i read about when i was uh, really young and you know obviously being the kid i am i I had these marvel cards and at the back of the marvel cards gave all the superhero stats like their strength and agility if you had thanos the card you turned it over it was the highest level of each one like i cannot wait to see thanos on screen and i love it how well marvel has built him up like we only see fragments of him in in the films and guardians of the galaxy 2 was just great to see almost a shakespearean quality how he had this son and this daughter who all hated him secretly but they were, he was too powerful for them to do anything against him it's going to be awesome day <laughs> i agree i like the teasing out of uh, thanos and just the way they're creating a bit of a you know ominous villain without <laughs> showing much you know it's, it's the mr Wu role you know um there's a, a play orson wells played um uh, orson wells had in his early theater days um where the whole thing they're talking about mr Wu or mr Wu's coming to dinner did you hear about mr Wu? and at the very end of the play um you see this bright light and this shadowy figure come in they go oh mr Wu, and then the curtain comes down that's the end of the play and everyone talks about oh wasn't mr Wu the best character didn't it wasn't his performance great when in fact he wasn't even in the play because he was talked <laughs> about so much <laughs> uh, did you like michael rooker's um character in guardians of the galaxy 
Yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. Him. I hope he gets to play in a bit more. There's great detail there. Like he's like a father to him, you know. He, although he threatens to kill him, he'll never do it. He's always there. I thought he was just too overpowered with the whistling and his, you know, his his needle that that was going around killing all the um, bad guys. I was just like, well, why don't yeah. they just send that guy in? He could kill everything. <laughs> Again, that's the danger of the Superman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In the movie, you know, if you make someone too powerful, why don't they just? Go yeah, exactly. In? It takes away the tension and it creates those plot holes, like you mentioned. Yeah, for example, um, uh, Winter Soldier, where it's just like, well, why didn't Captain America just call in the Hulk? Exactly. And when you've got all these buddies on speed dial, when you've got the <laughs> Avengers, yeah. June twenty seventeen brings us Wonder Woman, which is being directed by Michelle McLaren. Yep. She's a TV director. She's done 11 Breaking Bad episodes, four Game of Thrones episodes, among other things. Yep. Wonder Woman's been... They've been trying to make it since 2001. And for some reason, the fact that there's a female director is getting a lot of stigma online. Uh, like it's being targeted, like only a female director would be able to, you know, create this film. Uh, a little bit like Fifty Shades, I suppose, it was written and directed by a woman, so therefore... It's hard to criticize and call it like sexist, chauvinistic. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. having a, a woman direct Wonder Woman makes it more of a feminist kind of, you know, a statement or uh, they've definitely sought out a female director for this job. I guess maybe also, though, if you look at a male director who's directed a female superhero Catwoman turned out really terrible with Halle Berry. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, so, that was a terrible movie. Yeah, so I mean, maybe, you know, she's inexperienced as well. It's the same as that other director I mentioned. You know, this is the testing ground and Wonder Woman is going to have to be good in the Dawn of Justice Batman vs Superman film to warrant a spin-off here otherwise people won't come yeah. up people won't see it it sounds like I've, I've seen uh, I haven't seen the short film that somebody made that everyone goes this is how a Wonder Woman movie can be great um, I haven't seen that I should really get look into that but I, I just I don't know I've got too much of um of uh supergirl when they made that franchise in the um early 80s and i I don't know like i know it's wrong for me to compare it to that but i'm just really worried that it's just not going to happen like anything can happen from between now and then and uh, it just sounds like it's a project that's never going to come to fruition i think it all like you said dave depends on the justice league movies um especially um x-men uh sorry uh superman versus batman if the little glimmer of um wonder woman that's in that if it's good and if people can see a good film solo film based around that then yeah maybe but i'm worried it's either going to be a really bad movie or it's not going to happen at all and i'd rather i'd i would rather them make a very good wonder woman movie than even touch it i'm thinking at this point 2017 we're up to june everything beyond this point that we talk about feels subject to change yeah absolutely too far away what what i'm worried about is a lot of these uh directors haven't been really tested um but some have been really promising because they have failed um like brian singer you got to remember as great as x-men one and two and uh, especially Days of Future Past were, you got to remember, he failed a bunch of times. Like, his biggest failure was Superman. He could not get that movie, that franchise, off the ground, and he put a lot of effort into it, and I think it's a terrible movie. Um, and he failed again with Jack and the Giants. Like, I haven't seen it. I heard very good things. It just failed at the box office. But um, you got James Mangold, who made... Um, 
uh, Wonder, uh, sorry, not Wonder Woman, who did the Wolverine movies, arguably they're kind of failures because they're kind of misses, but he, at least he's had that run and I hope he matures and gets a good Wolverine movie out. Wonder Woman is looks like with the assemb- assembly that's attached to that film and anything can happen like you said but if they go in that direction i think it's going to be a failure i think that uh, that person they've got attached coming from a tv background is going to have way too much pressure and just going to fold under the you know too many cooks sort of spoil the the thing sort of um uh, thing and wonder woman's just going to be a failure yeah look i mean fingers crossed for them and everything but i don't think just Wonder Woman will work in this movie. I mean, it really also depends on the supporting cast. You need a decent villain in there as well. You don't know if it's a fish out of water kind of tale, like she's an Amazon from uh, another planet or whatever. Is that like Thor? Is she going to not get what is going on on Earth? I don't know. Yeah. As well, giving Superman a kid in the uh, Superman Returns film you mentioned, the Brian Singer movie, ruined it and people hated it. Yeah. You know, he'd uh, he'd impregnated Lois Lane. So, fingers crossed they don't decide and, and to... And having a lady spin-off movie, we haven't seen any. Like, I would love to see uh, um, a Scarlett Black Johansson... Widow. Yeah, exactly, a Black Widow spin-off film. Um, I'm just really disappointed they haven't. And then there's arguments, why haven't they made a Hawkeye spin-off movie and things like that. But I, I, I don't have a movie of in recent memories with this level, you know, of budgets that's been given to these um, great epic superhero movies. I don't have a movie other than Catwoman to compare it to, like where they make these single movies just based on female superheroes. Uh, maybe there is one and everyone who's listening to the podcast is just screaming at it out right now, but I can't think of any to compare where Wonder Woman could go. But um, a, a promising one and all the cards are in the deck, so to speak, to make a good hand or a good film out of that is um scarlett johansson's black widow i think that that it is possible to make a very good movie out of that a very noir sort of smaller movie i really would prefer just black widow to be supporting i think um i think that's what she does well obviously uh never say never but um I think her and Hawkeye were the weakest part of the Avengers. Yeah, I, I thought they were just... Yeah, definitely in the fight scenes they showed that. But I think Joss Whedon did a good job of incorporating them into the battle. It was, in fact, um, Scarlett Johansson who destroyed that um, the portal that allowed the aliens to come in. I just thought it was a great touch. And um, Joss Whedon, as we all know, had a huge amount of time with Buffy to create these strong female characters. And I, I would love to see him uh, make... He would probably be the best one to make a... A separate movie just on a very small scale not the world's at stake or anything maybe it's sunny gonna pass but i just like it how she's, she's this this assassin um i just find there's a huge world they can tap into on a smaller scale it doesn't have to be these 200 million dollar movies all the time mm-hmm. unfortunately wonder woman cries out for that kind of budget well yeah this is it i mean um by this stage will dc be in a financially profitable position to make this properly july brings us fantastic four two i'm just gonna say hope the first one's good (laughs) yeah we don't know what's gonna happen with the first one this is it i mean if they're just rebooting they're just treading old ground i guess we'll see just a new villain pop up in fantastic four two maybe they'll introduce dr doom yeah really the next fantastic four movie could spell like what the hulk did um for the hulk really um the it wasn't a big hit and that they've just ended it they're not going to make a hulk well by this list anyway they're not going to make a single hulk 
um, a solo movie sort of thing. Fantastic Four, if the next Fantastic Four movie fails, I think that's it for the franchise. They're not going to tread that water back again. Well, as I said, I think they need the Fantastic Four to be successful for later Avengers, you know, joining up with the Avengers. Avengers, Fantastic Four crossover. Do you think Avengers needs Fantastic Four, though? Or does Avengers need Guardians of the Galaxy? Because one of them's going to cross over. Yeah. (laughs) Probably Guardians of the Galaxy, really. Yeah. July, again, July brings us a Spider-Man, Marvel, Sony partnership. Now, that Spider-Man's going to be interesting because... Is this Spider-Man 3? I guess we don't know anything about this Spider-Man. Okay. What do we know? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just assuming because the last Spider-Man we had was the uh, Spider-Man vs. Electro or whatever the hell it was called. We did a whole podcast on it. You guys should definitely check it out. So, Rise of Electro. Yeah. Rise of Electro. So I'm, I'm seeing this Marvel-Sony Spider-Man. I understand Marvel's now back in a, in a partnership with Sony. So the, the two, all the worlds can now collide. Spider-Man may touch on um, the Civil War and things like that. Is that going to affect what we've already seen of Spider-Man 1 and 2 where it ends with Spider-Man fighting The Rock, uh, The Rock the Rhino, and the threat of Sinister Six? on the rise it has the whole franchise is the whole franchise going to ripple from that I have no idea what I'm looking at when I hear Marvel slash Sony's Spider-Man a lot of talk about recasting a lot of talk about Andrew Garfield not being in it anymore but Sinister Six allegedly is still happening presumably that's the last one Andrew Garfield would be on but the thing about the new Spider-Man they want to do is they want him to be younger they specifically the talk is that they want him to be in high school so amazing spider-man in 2018 no month attached yet uh they would maybe be rebooting the franchise the two top contenders that are getting the most talking are dylan o'brien who's a guy who's been in maze runner and teen wolf so sort of that age group yeah and uh tom holland who played the son in the impossible which we also reviewed so Having a younger story arc, you know, that high school is what they sort of want to move the Spider-Man towards, which sort of makes sense because all the X-Men they've cast for X-Men Apocalypse are all quite young as well. All the new Cyclops, um, Jean Grey, Storm, etc. They're all younger actors as well. They want to find the next level, uh, the next bunch of stars, don't they? If they grow these stars, then you know them as that character. Like, people relate Hugh Jackman to Wolverine, even though he'd done a bunch of stuff before that. Um, that was just his big breakout role. So if they can break people out, they get them cheaply for the first one, and then, you know, they blow up for the second, third, etc. Exactly. And- the, uh, another great example is Boris Karloff, who was in the movies for a long time, a great respected actor, but never really broke into the mainstream. And then he got the role as Frankenstein and just exploded as that character. And then seeing Boris Karloff in a movie not as Frankenstein, it's like, oh, I didn't know he could talk. <laughs> you know, I didn't know he was a very extremely well-educated man. But that really gave him, at the age of 40, that second life, having that um, that uh, franchise, so to speak, to lean into. If they get these kids and they break out role, that's a huge franchise they can sort of um, ride to and um, hopefully spawn greater careers, you mm-hmm. know, other greater roles. Definitely. Speaking of franchises, November 2017, Thor Ragnarok. Yep. The third standalone Thor movie, which I'm only sure about uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston being on. Uh, Presumably Natalie Portman will be paid to attend as well. (laughs) The Ragnarok is the Norse apocalypse, so there's going to be some kind of 
big alien fight there. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I can't wait. I, I actually really enjoyed um, Thor 2. I just love the design of the villains. I thought that was really great. And Loki is uh, turning into a love uh, character that people absolutely love. I don't know if it's something to do with the cult following of the actor who plays him. But um, I, I don't know. He just seems to be a really lovable bad guy at the moment. Um, uh, in, in Thor 2, he really kind of stole the show. So I hope they he gets to more of a play sort of thing in, in Ragnarok. But again, um, P- Marvel's just too afraid to kill people off, you know. And he mm. would have it would have been more tragic had um, Loki died. Spoilers for 2. Um, had Loki had died in Thor 2, but instead he lives on. It's just like, ah, oh, you really killed the tension there. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a big deal when they eventually do kill Loki, though. I mean, yeah. uh, they can only keep that character sort of for so long. He's sort of power-hungry and everything. So Again in November, though, and this will probably change, well, one of those two films has to budge because I don't think you can have Thor 3 going up against Justice League <laughs> yeah. Part 1. And this, again, all depends on the previous films, uh, Batman and Superman. We could really see like how much Brian Singer's Superman failed, we could really see the end of um, Superman. All right, we're not going in this direction anymore with Justice League, like if the movie is so bad. And a big example I want to give is Wolverine uh, Origins when it had all those characters at the end. And I don't think any any x-men or adaptations of that have taken those characters in that style like they've just completely forgotten it like uh, x-men 3 how that just doesn't exist anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah they managed to override it (laughs) so yeah justice league um depends on a lot of things uh at the moment it doesn't look good but two films that could turn everything around look as i said avengers did well to have aliens in the first one robots in the second one uh, and these are forces we can agree are strong and hard to beat, but one big supervillain is a big ask. So I'm waiting to see who the big bad is in Justice League. You know, it has to be somebody Superman can't beat on his own. Yeah. All right, March uh, 2018 at this stage is The Flash. And uh, as I said, the kid from We Need to Talk About Kevin, Ezra Miller, uh, not the actor from the TV series Flash. So. I'm uh, a little bit sceptical that spin-off really will will depend on the success of Justice League. Flash has never been successful. They made a TV series of The Flash a long time ago in the 90s, uh, which did okay. They made a couple of made-for-TV movies, but again, not with the same attention as we're seeing with the comic book adaptations of today. So I I don't know if... I don't think The Flash is that that attractive to make a movie out of him, but we did see um, Bryan Singer with Quicksilver in um, uh, Days of Future Past, who really stole the show. So I don't know, with his superpower, they can do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, the the fact that he can time travel if he runs fast enough, yep. you know, that might uh, come into play. Again, we're getting into a territory where we know no details. By May 2018, we're in Avengers Infinity Wars Part 1, Joss Whedon is currently not attached in any capacity. Maybe he'll be doing Wonder Woman, maybe something else. Uh, I think this this is going to be more space-centric, more into the Guardians world. And, um, yeah, we might see some new faces in the Avengers by this stage. July brings us Black Panther, which the date has been pushed back, I've read, a couple of times. I, so. I don't know much about Black I've actually got a couple of comics of Black Panther, and I've never read them. Wow, what's the uh, what's the appeal if we can't even get you to open a comic? 
<laughs> oh, I, I think I was just too heavy into X-Men back then, so I was, yeah. Fair enough. Well, his father is treacherously killed, so, you know, he's the prince and has to then become the king, rise to the mantle of the Black Panther in uh, Wakanda. I mean, that's maybe going to feel a bit Shakespearean. Yeah, definitely. Um, they, they definitely can do great things with that. There's a novelty that uh, an African-American superhero will be. That'll be the first one. I mean, even though we've got Michael B. Jordan as uh, the Human Torch in the new Fantastic Four, it's a kind of a novelty, though, as well, uh, just as well, because we've got kind of a female superhero coming through in, you know, a solo film as well. So there's sort of a bit of a diversity thing going on with Black Panther. I'm getting to my uh, my bomb here, Lloyd. July. Aquaman. Aquaman. Do, do you... How do you say Aquaman? Do you say Aqua? I don't know. The Americans say it differently. Aqua? Aqua. Aqua. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know the Entourage where James Cameron was making the Aquaman movie? Yep. Do you remember that? I, I just... For some reason, every time it comes up, I just think of James Cameron directing in the Entourage, although that's a fictitious sort of um, storyline. Yeah. Uh, the... the are you thinking that it's going to be a bomb based on what other movies that guy has played, specifically Hercules, I think? Jason Momoa? Yeah. Um, oh, no, it was kind no. of Barbarian, wasn't it? Look, I think by July 2018, why do I care what Aquaman has to say and do? Uh, <laughs> I think water is very expensive, and to shoot in with or do special effects with, I think it's going to cost a lot of money to make Aquaman look good, and I feel like there's not that much interest. You know, Aquaman is not Batman. He's Aquaman. You can talk to fish. Great. Like, I don't want to watch animated fish. <laughs> like, uh, this isn't a kid's movie, though. You know, you want it to be a serious superhero movie. So this is the one I'm most worried about. I, I feel like maybe it'll be pushed back and maybe it'll become one of those films that... I mean, as I've started talking about Aquaman, it started raining where I am. So uh, <laughs> maybe the... Uh, the heavens the, are telling you something. How dare you? Yes, King Triton forcing <laughs> water onto land. <laughs> I love it how Homer fights, um, uh, charges everyone up in a Halloween episode to fight the dolphins, and they all charge, make one last valiant charge against the dolphins, and it cuts her all in the ocean. Obviously, they lost. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to bring that up. I love The Simpsons. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Look, we've got Shazam. Then we've got. Uh, Avengers Infinity Wars Part 2, Justice League Part 2, both in 2019. We head into Inhumans and then Cyborg gets a, a solo film. Uh, there's also talk about a Green Lantern yeah, reboot. Yeah, it's funny that. Yeah, already. I mean, 2011 wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the favourite for Green Lantern is Chris Pine for the casting. Okay. I'll tell you who I'd like to see play Green Lantern. And I think this would give the film a sense of fun as well as be a big box office draw card. This might be controversial, Lloyd, but uh, Justin Timberlake. Oh, really? Wow. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because he's been doing more serious roles. Uh, he's going to be a father by then. Um, soon, Jessica Biel will pop out his kid. He'll be wanting to be a superhero. He'll be wanting to be, you know, uh, attached to a franchise. He's going to want to take more seriously as an actor as well. Yeah. So I think Green Lantern is a fun superhero that you could put someone like Justin Timberlake in. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm thrilled if it's Chris Pine. That's a good choice as well. I just thought I would throw out another opinion. Look, we've got Amazing Spider-Man, as I said, going for a younger Spider-Man. And the Sinister Six is still out there. We don't know if that's going to become something. 
We don't know if we're going to get a standalone Venom film. There's one on IMDb, but it's got nothing attached in terms of actor, uh, release date, anything. People are speculating about a Bat- another Batman solo film, another Superman solo film. I feel like a new Batman solo film would be a chance to recast Catwoman, which we've seen quite a few Catwomen over the years. Uh, you know, is there anything you'd like to see? Um, I, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm really loving this time. I think the Batman trilogy really spoiled me. I think the James Bond, um, uh, I hope there's a trilogy. Um, Sam Mendes goes on for number three. Uh, I think they've been great. I think Guardians of the Galaxy with James Gunn's been fantastic. Um, and especially Joss Whedon helming the, um, the Avengers. So I'm really, really spoiled, um, at the moment. And my personal favorite, one of my favorite comic books of all time have been adapted, uh, which is The Watchmen. And I think that was a great movie that um everybody just keeps forgetting about or just didn't like so i think it's one of these underrated masterpieces so i've been really happy with the way things are going my i do agree with the concern that superhero movies may be oversaturating the audience and they'll grow tired of them before this five-year lifespan even concludes to where they want it to go that that is a legitimate worry because there are so many superhero movies and seeing a movie like boyhood is just like whoa (laughs) you know what i mean because it's just so different like coming back to reality sort of thing but i think while the appetite is there go for it and yes we are getting a lot of misses uh with movies like uh hopefully they won't be um like what they did with fantastic four with jessica alba or anything like that yes there are misses like that but the great ones where they hit on the mark like days of future past x-men like uh captain america winter soldier are really great and really fun so i'm really loving this time absolutely and i'll be happy with most of these movies if they have an emotional center if they absolutely can sort of, yeah you know touch their audience in terms of not just being a stupid action movie <laughs> i want to see the action absolutely but i need something that grounds it back and makes it relatable yeah which is what man of steel didn't have yeah that's um, a good point yeah yeah again i'd love to see the punisher come back i'd love to see the hulk go berserk and verse someone whether it's spider-man or wolverine I'd like to see Catwoman get recast as well. <laughs> I feel like a Venom film is still many years away. I think if Spider-Man fails, though, they could make Venom an anti-hero, and that would be a decent kind of series. Um, but I love the crossovers. I want to see two superheroes get together, just like in Civil War. I mean, we're seeing Captain America versus Iron Man, basically, for the entire movie. And you only got glimpses of that in the first Avengers movie, where they sort of had disagreements and had those little battles, you know. It it is an exciting time, and as long as these films keep making money, we're going to keep seeing them. So it'll be interesting to come back to this podcast in a few years and see if any of the bombs were bombs. (laughs) uh, If I got to call it, I'm going to say Deadpool. (laughs) It's a bit of a dangerous one, as I said, untested director. I'm worried about Deadpool. Uh, I'm 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 going to say Fantastic Four. I'm really worried on that one, and I do wish it does go all the best, but I I just don't think. uh, the franchise works for, for whatever reason just just something about it that just doesn't catch us on and i'm much more worried about dc than marvel <laughs> yeah. obviously they've done well introducing these characters but aquaman uh it's so far away that i, I don't know that we're going to care about aquaman yeah or that they'll bother doing an individual film as i said water's expensive just look at titanic <laughs> but I, I, I there's always a joke like batman's just carrying all of dc on his back you know because he's as great as marvel has been like with all these great you know money-making franchises batman was one 
and they made a trilogy and it was one of the best trilogies and that was Christopher Nolan all credit to him but that was one franchise of DC that was just so hugely epic you know so um, every time DC's in trouble they can pull out the bat card <laughs> that's true I think Alfred will be good Jeremy Irons is playing Alfred for Ben Affleck's Batman really yeah so <laughs> fingers crossed yeah. a lot of uh, hope for the Batman series look the the one final thing I'll say about comic books is this is that you know people know famous storylines from comic books like the killing joke with the joker people remember you know age of apocalypse and and these famous kind of storylines uh, onslaught for example uh the character that was part magneto part uh charles xavier you know that became a an ultimate villain uh, avengers civil war yeah these comic book storylines are beloved they're well known what I would like to see happen is originality. I want to go see these movies because I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. As opposed to saying, oh, this is the storyline where Wolverine does this and this person will be in it and this person will be in it or whatever, you know. I don't want to be able to speculate. I want to say I've got no idea what's going to happen when I walk through these cinema doors. For me, that's where they're going to get the money. If you can say, oh, I know this exact story from the comic there's less chance you're going to go in. That's For me, that's that's a real problem with comic book movies. And hopefully, writers can come up with original storylines and we can not retread the same ground. Like well, I th- with Batman, for example. Yeah, I think yeah, I was about to say, one of the strong examples of that is uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. That was all rewritten. Christopher Nolan completely took it in his own direction and his own backstories to a lot of them. And you, when when Dark Knight came out, oh sorry, Dark Knight Rises came out, you had no idea what what direction Bane was going to be and what his voice could sound like, where it was going to go. You know, we all were in that cinema going, "Oh my gosh, where are they going?" We had no idea where Christopher Nolan was going to take it. And everyone was worried Batman was going to die. Yeah. So there was stakes to it as well, which um, was what you want. You want to know that uh, you can't say, "Oh, Thor will be fine" because he has a film out in twenty eighteen. <laughs> So he definitely won't die in this one and he won't die in this, you know. You want to know that there are stakes involved and and Civil War, for example, feels like there are stakes involved with both actors saying they might not come back a lot, you know. You know what David uh, Lynch did with uh, uh, Twin Peaks? He told, like, who killed Laura Palmer, right? The whole world in the early 90s wanted to know who killed Laura Palmer and David Lynch didn't want to reveal that. He wanted to keep the series going for like six seasons before it was revealed. But pressure from all around the world. We're talking the um, Gorbachev, the head of um, Russia, was really interested in Twin Peaks and wanted to know. So Twin Peaks was huge. David Lynch had to film it, so he filmed the death of Laura Palmer. He told two actors. He'd brought him in a room, you're the killer. Um, of Laura Acton and they each believed it um, he filmed both those scenes without the other actor knowing and then he um, and then he released it so if the story leaked on set they would get a false one you know what I mean he had a 50-50 offset that is so brilliant so I'd love to see a fake you know Thor Ragnarok <laughs> you know is projected to come out so you expect Thor to survive when he actually dies and you're like oh I thought there was a third one no no we, we just made that up <laughs> they'll never I mean, do it it's worth too much never money do they'll it, never no. do it they made me think of uh, one of the finales of Lost when you um, you see you're at uh, Jeremy Bentham you don't know who that, who that is and they're in a casket 
at a funeral home and uh, they shot many different actors in the actual casket and on the DVD you can see Desmond in the casket, you can see Sawyer in the casket, you see Locke in the casket, you see all these different actors in the casket. They shot all these different ones and people didn't know who was going to be in that casket. Did they tell the actors as well? I've got to assume so. <laughs> I think it was all sort of pre-planned. Oh, but, right. Um, yeah, but that was a shock to a few people, I think. Well, the actors, the two actors that were told didn't know. And so they were pouring their heart and soul in, both uh, into the scene, not knowing that one of them was going to get completely severed from the final cut. Like, they, he, he sort of knew towards the end, like, after the shoot and everything like that, oh, I guess I'm not really the killer, you know, but that's just ballsy, you know, to shoot an entire day and have your actor pour his heart and soul when he isn't actually the killer. That's just brutal. <laughs> Well, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this Marvel DC analysis over the next few years. We can't do a big uh, mainstream podcast like this without going back to some indie roots. It's very Sodenberg, uh, Steven Soderbergh of us. So next time on the podcast, we'll be discussing David Cronenberg's Maps to the Stars, which should be out on DVD in Australia by the time you can hear this. Uh, you can also check out links to our video podcasts and uh, all our old podcasts at podmeifyoucan.com. And uh, I just thought I'd quickly especially mention that I've edited together a montage of Kisses. It was inspired from uh, the 1990 uh, film Cinema Paradiso, uh, which, you know, basically is a chain of kissing. So, you know, each person who kisses somebody else in a film, uh, it's passed along from actor to actor, from film to film, and there's only over 150 kisses there. So... Uh, Maybe one to check out if you can uh, spare yourself about 10 minutes. It's really great, Dave. You did a good job on that. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, just so it's a big chain. I hadn't really seen anything like that on YouTube, so maybe I'm wrong and I'm burning somebody here, but uh, <laughs> it's something I thought I'd sit Some down and edit. Like, I did that six years ago, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, <Yeah>. man. <laughs> anyway, so something to check out there on the podcast uh, yeah, uh, look, there's lots of stuff going up all the time. Uh, we've got a few upcoming video reviews. We do obscure films that um, have famous stars in them. So there's many of those to come in the coming months. Also, we've got an eye on Avengers, which uh, we'll be dealing with when that comes out in May. Many things, good things to come on Pod Me If You Can. And Lloyd, I'll be expecting to talk to you about them right here. I can't wait, Dave. Should be awesome. Hit it. For listening, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 